0: MIDI Innovation Vault, the deep dive into the global democratization of point of care and at home diagnostic testing, Episode 3. In this release of MIDI's Innovation Vault podcast series, listen to MIDI's principal, Gregory Montebano, discuss and explore his deep understanding of the post pandemic future world of point of care and at home diagnostic testing and technology. Our listeners will hear Mitty's insight into the current technology landscape, as well as what is in store for the future. Topics will range from evolving market trends and technology innovations, as well as key challenges and unmet opportunities for global health as related to the point of care and at-home diagnostic devices. We are talking with Gregory Montalbano. He is the co-owner of Mitty Medical Product Development. Mitty is a turnkey medical product development consulting firm that works with its clients in innovating new medical platforms from early research and concept development to full commercialization. Greg, great to speak with you again. It's great connecting with you as well. Greg, can you give our listeners a brief overview of today's uh, podcast discussion details?
1: Sure, Matt. In this podcast episode, I'll be discussing various points of care and at-home diagnostic testing technology applications, covering the details of the science and value proposition for detection, market application, as well as global health. So the diagnostic technology platforms that I would like to discuss with you today, Matt, includes antigen testing using lateral flow assay methods, uh, which I will briefly review and then move on to nucleic acid amplification testing technology, also known as NAT.
0: Antigen testing is very well known, but could you describe what NATs are? Sure.
1: NATs are a viral diagnostic testing category that has different applications from the detection of genetic material or nucleic acids. So, in my overview, I'll focus on RT-PCR, LAMP, as well as CRISPR diagnostic NAT methods.
0: Okay, that sounds amazing. Let's get started on that.
1: Okay, so let's start briefly with antigen testing. So, Matt, until recently, the majority of rapid diagnostic tests, especially as related to covid have been antigen tests. And these tests are taken with a nasal swab or throat swab. Antigen testings are particularly useful for identifying a person who has at or near peak infection. So they're less expensive and generally faster than other testing methods. But the downside is that they can be less accurate than other gold standard diagnostic testing methods. Antigen tests are commonly used in the diagnosis of other respiratory pathogens, including influenza, viruses, and respiratory sensational virus, also known as RSV. So antigen tests are immunoassays that detect the presence of a specific viral antigen, which indicates current viral infections. So antigen tests are performed with a nasal swab or a saliva specimen placed directly into the assay's extraction buffer and reagent to detect a protein that is part of a target virus. So the advantage of antigen testing is that it does not require complex expensive equipment nor test kits to detect the antigens. But of this, antigen testing is currently a cheaper and faster method for diagnostic detection for the public.
0: That sounds positive, but I get the feeling there's a but coming.
1: Yeah, there is a but. Unfortunately, antigen test has a technology flaw. There's a lag time between when somebody gets infected and when the antigens show up and are detectable. So in essence, this means if a person is not near peak infection, but is still contagious, the tests may come back negative. For example, coronavirus replicates itself by putting its genetic material inside our cells. If you're testing a person at the stage when the virus is still replicating inside the cells, it has not produced or shed sufficient protein or shed it in large enough quantities to be detected using antigen testing. It is important to note that antigen testing's false positives could be caused by the presence of other viruses, improper collection techniques or other substances produced by the body during infection, interfering with the results. But I don't want to come off as being negative on the antigen testing. It's served and continues to serve an important diagnostic role. And while the technology may have its limitations, it continues to improve.
0: Okay. Thanks for the overview on antigen testing. What's the next uh, diagnostic technology platform you'd like to discuss? Yeah,
1: let's move on to molecular diagnostics, specifically NATS, which again stands for nucleic acid amplification testing. In regards to NATs, there are different methods. So let's start with describing and clarifying the differences between technologies that are applied to laboratory-based, point-of-care, and at-home testing diagnostics. So a nucleic acid amplification test, or NAT, is a type of viral diagnostic tests. NATs detect genetic material from the virus. NATs specifically identify RNA sequences that comprise the genetic material of the virus. The NAT procedure works by amplifying, in other words, making many copies of the virus's genetic material, if there is any in the collection patient sample. So amplifying those nucleic acids enables NATs to detect very small amounts of RNA in a specimen, making these tests highly sensitive for diagnosing viruses. So in other words, NATs can Reliably detect small viral amounts that are unlikely to return false negative results. And NATs can use many different methods to amplify nucleic acids and detect the virus.
0: Greg, can you clarify the different methods of NATs that are used in the point of care and at home diagnostics?
1: Sure, Matt. There are several uh, NAT applications. I'll list some of the most common ones. So there is reverse transcription. Polymerase chain reaction or RT PCR. And then there's isothermic amplification methods, including nicking endonuclease amplification reaction known as NIR. There's transcription mediated amplification known as TMA. Then there's also loop mediated isothermal amplification known as LAMP and helocase dependent amplification called HDA. Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats, known as CRISPR Diagnostics. And then there's Strand Displacement Amplification, SDA. So since the beginning of COVID-19 pandemic, both the number and methods and technologies of NATs authorized for emergency use by the FDA for virus detection have increased. So NATs have been authorized for use in different settings, such as laboratories facilities by trained lab personnel, point of care settings, as well as self-administered tests for at-home use or other non-healthcare locations. So some NATs are considered rapid tests that are performed at or near the place where the specimen is collected and can provide the results within minutes the level of sensitivity for detection of genetic materials in a specimen also varies depending on the methods and amplifications of the NAT. Sensitivity varies by test, but laboratory-based NATs generally have a higher sensitivity than point-of-care or self-administered tests. So for the purpose of this podcast, I'll be discussing molecular diagnostic testing applications using RT-PCR, LAMP, as well as CRISPR technology.
0: Fair enough, Greg. Why don't you start with RT-PCR and LAMP? Sure. So
1: LAMP and PCR tests can detect viruses from nasal swabs in both symptomatic and asymptomatic patients. So PCR testing has been one of the most widely used techniques in molecular biology for almost 30 years. So in the detection of COVID-19 RT-PCR was the first established standard method by which other tests were compared to. RNA from a suspected sample is first isolated to remove proteins, fats, and other molecules. The RNA is then converted into DNA in a process we call reverse transcription, aka RT, before amplifying it to create millions of copies to detect. This requires enzymes to be repeatedly cycled through temperatures in a process known as thermal cycling. LAMP, also known as loop-mediated isothermal amplification, and polymerase chain reaction, PCR, tests both tests both target the viral RNA of a sample. Fluorescent markers are added to the amplified DNA, and they produce light, enabling a detector to determine a result. And once the intensity of the light passes through a defined threshold, a positive result is recorded. So this process can involve many temperature cycles, and the number of cycles need to pass the fluorescence threshold is indicative of the viral load of the patient. LAMP is a newer method of testing using nucleic amplification, which has grown in use and is comparatively more efficient and cost-effective than PCR testing. and. Like PCR, LAMP requires the RNA to be extracted from the sample before being amplified. LAMP amplification also depends on heat, but it does not require the multiple temperature cycles with the process carried out isothermically at around 60 to 65 degrees Celsius. So this removes the need for expensive thermal cycling and can reduce the time and complexity required to return a result. RT-PCR and RT-LAMP are markedly different methods to amplify nucleic acid for detection of viruses. It's also important to note that RT-PCR tests deliver the gold standard performance for diagnostic testing.
0: Very informative. Can you talk about CRISPR?
1: Sure, Matt. CRISPR, spelled C-R-I-S-P-R, stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. So CRISPR is a tool known as a modern genome editing technology. But the process of CRISPR has existed in nature for millions of years to protect bacteria against viruses. So bacteria, like humans, have evolved their own immune system to defend against viral infections. And scientists, they discovered that CRISPR immune response uses a cutting protein called Cas and an RNA molecule that guides the Cas protein to the matching DNA sequence from the invading virus. So once the Cas protein finds its target, it turns into a pair of molecular scissors small enough to fit inside a bacterium and in effect, like a pair of scissors, cut apart the invading virus. So once it's cut, the virus is dead and cannot harm the bacteria any longer. So back in 2012, researchers were able to extract CRISPR out of a bacteria and reprogram that guide RNA to target any DNA sequence.
0: How or why is that important?
1: Sure. So this is important because when this style of precision cutting is brought into a plant or animal, scientists can fix any faulty gene or enhance others. In essence, CRISPR is a genome editing technology, which means we can rewrite the genome, specifically our own genes.
0: Okay, Greg, hopefully there's not going to be a test at the end of the podcast because I may not pass it. All kidding aside, though, what you said is fascinating, but how does CRISPR relate to molecular diagnostic testing?
1: Sure, don't worry, Matt, there won't be a podcast pop-up quiz, but you do ask a good question. So the diagnostic industry has taken the principles of CRISPR and generated a new application that, as you may have guessed, has nothing to do with genome editing. So scientists recently have discovered how to leverage CRISPR to perform nucleic acid testing rapidly, accurately, and inexpensively with a single base pair specificity without the need of complex laboratory setup. So CRISPR-based diagnostic methods rely on identifying a specific nucleic acid sequence associated with a pathogen or disease, then cleaving it to produce a readable signal. So depending on when CRISPR technology is being used, this signal can have a fluorescent reporter or signal or alternatively an electric signal that occurs upon target binding.
0: So there are different CRISPR methods for diagnostic testing?
1: Yeah, Matt. So by applying the principles of CRISPR technology, several promising detection platform methods can be applied and are slated to be the next upcoming generation of diagnostics. Some of the recent diagnostic platforms I can speak to are based upon different CRISPR-associated
0: Cas proteins. Can you describe some of the CRISPR platforms?
1: Sure, Matt. The CRISPR-associated Cas protein platforms are, the first one is Cas9 platform, which targets and cuts DNA. So two platforms for Cas9 that I'm familiar with is flashings platform and the CRISPR chip system. The flashings platform combines Cas and the next generation sequencing, NGS for short, technology for precise identification of a pathogen. The Cas9 system cleaves target nucleic acid sequencing into fragments for NGS. Applications can include identifying antibacterial resistant strains such as MRSA or VRE. The next one, CRISPR chip system combined with dcas 9 with a graphene transistor film to create an electrical signal upon target binding, producing a digital readout in about 15 minutes or less the CRISPR chip platform has been used to detect muscular dystrophy. So the next is using a CAS-12A within the detector or AIOD CRISPR. So AIOD is called all-in-one dual platform. So this is targeting DNA with collateral cleavage from SSDNA. So in diagnostic applications, such as the detector method, when Cas12a detects and cuts the specific target DNA sequence, it also cleaves SSDNA linked to fluorescent molecule producing a fluorescent signal. So the detector system has been used for detection of human papilloma in patient samples, as well as more recently, the SARS-CoV-2. The third platform is the Cas13a platform, also known as Sherlock, which targets ssRNA with collateral cleavage of ssRNS. So, Sherlock system uses Cas13a to detect target RNA molecules. When the Cas13a binds to a target ssRNA, it Releases a fluorescent molecule through collateral cleavage of the SSRNA fluorescent reporter. And diagnostic example of a Sherlock includes Zika, Dengue, West Nile virus, and yellow fever. All of these methods have comparative advantages and drawbacks. Among these methods, AOID CRISPR and Detector are reasonably better diagnostic methods than others. If we compare the time. Taken to do the test and the cost associated with each test, and the capability of detecting SARS-CoV-2. So, in their clinical samples. So it. So one may expect that promising CRISPR-based methods would facilitate point-of-care applications in the CRISPR-built next-generation novel coronavirus diagnostics.
0: Greg, can you illustrate the potential diagnostic advantages and drawbacks of CRISPR-based systems over PCR for the listeners?
1: Sure. In terms of molecular diagnostic, CRISPR-based systems are ideal to detect nucleic acid sequences of different pathogenic strains within a single base specificity. For example, Cas9 and Cas12 proteins target DNA, while Cas13 targets RNA. This is a major advantage over the generated primers used to amplify target sequences in PCR, whereby off-target effects and non-specific amplification may occur. To create diagnostic applications, researchers have linked target sequence binding with a readout, such as a color change, and in the case of paper-based lateral flow assays or fluorescence. In terms of fluorescence, researchers took advantage of the fact that once the Cas12 and Cas13 enzymes cleave their target sequence, they continue to cleave neighboring nucleic acids indiscriminately. Thus, by including nucleic acid reporters that fluoresce when cleaved, in that example, detection methods can link cleavage of the target sequence to the fluorescent signal. So, in addition, CRISPR-based molecular diagnostics can work well for point-of-care testing in low-resource settings as they do not require the complex laboratory or clinical setup. These reactions use simple reagents and do not require thermal cycling, unlike PCR-based diagnostics.
0: Can you illustrate drawbacks of using CRISPR-based detection?
1: Sure. The CRISPR-based detection is slightly less sensitive than the widely used RT-PCR testing platforms. For achieving a similar sensitivity, the CRISPR-based tests must go through the technology's future advancement. And currently, improvements in sensitivity and workflow complexity are needed to spur clinical adoption. With all that said, CRISPR-based detection systems are poised to emerge as the next generation point-of-care diagnostic platform and possess the potential to marry the advantages of RT-PCR relative to sensitivity and specificity to rapid test kits, which have fast turnaround or more user-friendly. So CRISPR systems can afford circumvention of the deficiencies of both the RT-PCR which are long-turnaround equipment and trained user requirements, and ultimately, with RTKs, the low sensitivity.
0: Greg, this has been a very informative podcast. With the moments we have left, could you give the listeners some final thoughts with regards to the point of care and at-home diagnostic marketplace?
1: Yeah, Matt. So for patients, there can be a lot of confusion relative to detecting technology applications and others. In this industry. So it's important that the industry develops devices and the supporting technology so that the public can be confident that they can trust point of care and at home tests as they would a laboratory test. So I know the future of diagnostic testing will drastically change in the coming years and both at-home testing and point-of-care solutions have created a better form of patient care that has increased patient safety and outcomes, and at the same time, reduced healthcare spending and resource usage. So patients are now more likely to take control over their own health monitoring. And all of the past and most recent Diagnostic technology innovations have, for the most part, increased consumer satisfaction, and they've improved patient outcomes. They've incentivized medication adherence and have helped consumers track and monitor their health, which including signs and symptoms that may alert them to the need of medical care. So early detection and diagnosis can lead to better patient outcomes for all types of illnesses and diseases, which can also help drive costs down. So it can also help to make healthcare more accessible and equitable. Diagnostic testings is the first line of defense for prevention, diagnosis, and actionable treatments. So this rapid acceleration and application of of point-of-care and at-home diagnostic platform has created the opportunity for a dramatic paradigm shift in the practice of medicine. And the wide adoption of these testing platforms, coupled with other advances in care and the participation of companies providing laboratory-like services available directly to the home or clinic, represent a significant advancement in the delivery of medical care. And ultimately, we have a cultural shift that is likely to persist long after COVID-19 becomes an endemic illness, and as it should, because it offers profound opportunity to improve the affordability, access, the effectiveness of medical care for a range of common diseases.
0: Wow, you've given a lot of valuable information on point of care and at-home diagnostics in this podcast series. Greg, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Matt. You've been listening to the deep dive into the global democratization of point of care and at-home diagnostic testing with the principal of Midi Medical Product Development, Gregory Montalbano. If you have questions or comments about today's podcast or would like to schedule a complimentary consultation with Greg about your business, you can reach him by phone at 1-631-467-8686 or email innovation at midipd.com. That's M-I-D-I-P-D dot com. If you enjoyed this podcast content, please follow Midi on social media or if you would like to download informative industry-related white papers and supporting material, please visit MIDI's website at www.mittypd.com.